That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to a win that was preceded by a loss, both in New York, a loss against the Knicks, a win against the Nets. That was this past weekend. At the time of recording, uh, it's about 10 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. I uh, hope your week is off to uh, a good start. Uh, hopefully the Nuggets uh, can parlay and build off what happened um, in the Barclays Center and not so much in Madison Square Garden. Uh, get to some of the um, overarching uh, Nuggets thoughts here. Uh, in just a minute, um, I, I, I do want to say, you know, my weekend was filled with so much basketball um, starting Friday, getting off the air, walking across the street, uh, watching Creighton and NC State uh, go head to head on a Friday and uh, watching uh, Baylor and, and TCU and Gonzaga. And um, just shout out to everyone that was at Ball Arena this past weekend uh, for the NCAA tournament. Had so much fun, was there for both uh, days, uh, double sessions. I mean, it was just an absolute blast. Um, very, very busy weekend for me. Uh, on top of that, I was calling a lacrosse game for DU, DU and Ohio State, uh, which was fantastic on a Sunday morning. I uh, got in-laws in the house uh, that are visiting uh, from, from back east. So very, very busy weekend for me, but definitely made time to uh, take in some Nuggets basketball and before I um, get into some of the Nuggets stuff, one, you know, being in these buildings, at, at, at being in the, in the building, not these buildings, the building, Ball Arena for this weekend, and seeing those young men compete in a winner-take-all, loser-your-season-is-over format, it was a reminder what we're in store for this spring with the Denver Nuggets and how much of a departure, what that will look like here in about a month compared to what this past month looked like. The NBA, the setup and the construct, I think, is uh, just flawed. Let me just start there. I think it's, it's too long of a season. I don't know what the remedy is. I really don't. And, and I, think there's, I think there's a theory out there that, I halfway subscribe to, um, I don't know all the details and inner workings that would make it work, but if you add two teams, one in Seattle and one in Vegas, and guys, that is going to happen, can that new revenue make up for the difference of the other teams and everyone collectively in the NBA going to uh, 73 games uh, instead of 82, 72 games, 70 games, something of that variety? I know there's some smart people who have done the math, and I think there's... Uh, some credence to it, I, I really believe that needs uh, to happen um, because I think in doing so, you might remove some of the stuff, for lack of a better term, that, that we've seen from Denver here in the last couple of weeks because Denver coming out of the All-Star break, if you remember, it was Cleveland to start and, and, they, and they got off on a great foot and they beat Memphis in that high leverage game that would impact the Western Conference uh, standings, the one and the two seed. Remember, it was like a, 
uh, was it a Friday night on, on national TV? It was Friday or Saturday. Yeah, I think it was, it was a Friday night. And they get that win. And then it feels like almost like mission accomplished. And the, the team has totally let their guard down. But that's not I, – I hope it's not really representative of what it's actually going to look like here in a couple weeks. My fear is – and that it, some of my fear that I'm about to mention was alleviated on a Sunday afternoon against Brooklyn. But my fear is that in taking your foot off the gas and letting the malaise of, like, the, you know, senioritis, for lack of a better term, seep in, you can create bad habits that can reveal themselves um, when it actually matters. And that that is my fear, that – that the Nuggets here in the past two weeks have sort of converted to a, hey, we'll flip a switch team. And the Nuggets have not won anything to warrant that sort of mindset. And it's a very, very dangerous mindset. Now, I remember Shaq and Kobe doing this. Um, uh, and and I, I reference Shaq and Kobe um, from time to time because just because I watched that, um, that group so closely as I was falling in love with the game. And they truly could flip a switch. Didn't matter if it was a game-to-game switch, a regular season to playoff switch, uh, a third quarter to fourth quarter switch. A- ask the Portland Trailblazers uh, with you know Scottie Pippen and Bonzi Wells and um, Rasheed Wallace and those boys up thirteen going into a fourth quarter of of, of, a, of a Western Conference Finals game, and they just flip a switch and turn it on. The the Warriors did that last year where they were just so mediocre and their core group didn't play together, and then they just flipped the switch and turned it on in the playoffs. The difference, obviously, between those teams is those are proven we've been there, done that teams. The Nuggets are not even close to that. The Nuggets have been bounced in the first round each of the last two years. So that is like, if I were to summarize my, my thoughts over the last two and a half weeks, it's at its core, it's that the malaise of the back end of this season um, is not truly who the Nuggets are, but because they've operated that way over a, a decent, decently large sample size, it can sort of, those habits can become who you are and, and, and maybe um, uh, uh, pop up uh, during a first or second round uh, NBA playoff series. And that could obviously, obviously cost you with the razor-thin margins that are on the line here. Um, that's how I would, that's honestly, what, what I just said kind of, um, framed that. That's how I would describe the current state of the Nuggets um, to someone who had like missed the last month. They look like the best team in basketball about a month ago, uh, three weeks ago. They look like the best team in basketball, and then for a m- multiple week stretch, they don't have their you know what together, and it, it's it's it begs the question like who is the who is the real version of you? And I hope it's certainly the former and not the latter these last couple weeks. Um, I want to mention something um, that I've been thinking about and learning about and just am fascinated by, uh, and I think it relates to the Nuggets and the MVP conversation, and this is more of an overarching NBA thought, okay? So just kind of bear with me. What we're seeing right now in the NBA is a bit of a revolution um, in scoring the basketball, uh, the, the, the pace of the game, the usage rates of a lot of these players on these teams, um, the shot making in the NBA 
All of that together, it creates this larger conversation of where the current state of the game is. The current state of the game is at such a high level, guys. This is the most efficient era of NBA basketball. The shot making that we're seeing in this league right now is flat out remarkable. The scoring that we're seeing is flat out remarkable. We're seeing historic seasons all the way across the board where I'm watching Philly um, you know, recently and it's a and it's it's uh, Joel Embiid has scored thirty-five straight for like nine straight games, all while shooting sixty percent or more from the field, first time since Will Chamberlain. Then I flip over to Giannis on Sunday. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, a triple-double, perfect from the field, joining Jokic and Draymond Green, and 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 I think that's it. Maybe Will is the only players to ever done it. And then you flip on to the Nuggets game, and it's, you know, no one's ever averaged, you know, this many assists while shooting this percentage from the field. And with Jokic, you could do like 10 million different combinations of all this stuff. And it's all true at the same exact time. In his own right, Damian Lillard, and I'm not going to go through why it's historic uh, one by one here, but in his own right, Damian Lillard is having a historic season. Shea Gildress-Alexander is having a historic season. Luka Doncic is having a historic season. Giannis, Joel, Joker, they're all having historic seasons, and it's all true at the same exact time. Guys, we're seeing offenses right now in the National Basketball Association that are light years ahead of, say, the Chicago Bulls team that won 72 games. Does that mean these teams are, you know, better if the Bulls were in this era? I'm not here to have this conversation. I'm saying by the numbers, there are, like, every offense in the NBA is, like, better than that. There's offenses in the NBA that are uh, statistically better, not just by points per game, but all the advanced metrics that are playing right now in the NBA that are better than the Steph, Clay, Kevin Durant, Warriors team. Again, am I saying that they're better? No. But that's just true. What I'm telling you is, is true. It's factually correct. And we're seeing usage rates at an all-time high. Uh, recently, I heard that, that uh, the, of the top 20 usage rates of all time, 13 of them of the top 20 ever are in the past five years. There's only one Kobe season in there. The, the thing about how you used to watch the Lakers and what it used to look like, such a ball-dominant player in Kobe, right? He's got one of the top 20. Jordan's got two in the top 20 all-time. That's it. So we're seeing this, the game change, and the scoring is just exploding. Guys, it's Tuesday morning. Last night, um, I watched uh, Knicks and the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Timberwolves, um, and, and I don't even know what the final score is. I'm going to try to pull it up here. Um, but I, I watched, the, I watched the, 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 the Timberwolves hang like 90 points in the first half. I mean, it was just, it was, it was remarkable. And, it, it, and it's not, um, again, it doesn't mean that, you know, just because I watched Minnesota without Carl uh, or uh, Rudy Gobert and, and Edwards, um, what did they score here? I just, just, just for reference, I'm curious of it now. Um, uh, bu- 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 here it is. They scored 100. The Timberwolves scored 140 points in, in regulation, guys. It was 140 to 134. That's, that's, that's 274 points in, in a regulation basketball game. So I'm saying all this. It, uh, it, it relates to the MVP conversation. That right, do, you, do you guys know how many uh, 20 point scores there are in the NBA right now? 10 years ago, there was 11. There's 45 of them right now. You know how many players are taking 20 shots or more in the NBA right now per night? 10 years ago, it was two. Today, there's 15. 
the game is changing. And we have to take some of these, you know, historic seasons and frame them the right way. Because here, here, here's, a, here's a football analogy, and I think it's perfect for this. Uh, when you look at the top 10 quarterback passing yards of all time, they're all modern-day guys outside of one or two. They're Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning. Does that mean Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning were better than Dan Marino and Roger Staubach? Maybe, maybe, or the, the game has just changed to such a degree that the, the, um, the different eras, like what we're seeing right now, it's going to push everything in NBA history down low, just like the, you know, Marinos and Jim Kellys and these guys who were like on the top 10 uh, all-time passing list, Troy Aikman, whoever. It's just the game has changed. That's happening in the NBA right now. And what we're seeing at the top of the MVP race with Jokic, Giannis, and Joel, it's so remarkably historical um, that we need to appreciate it all, but also remember um, this is uh, is a new age. This is a new age with the with the spacing of the game right now. It's just it's it's just we're in new territory. Okay, so. Those are that's just the NBA thought that I wanted to get out that uh, I just want you to keep in mind as we um, frame some of these, whether it's MVP conversations or just singular seasons um, for whoever. Okay, Um, really quick. um, I'm not going to spend too much uh, longer here. Um, I was disappointed over the weekend with the Knicks loss um, because the, the 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 context coming into the game, it felt like um, the Nuggets needed to win that game uh, just from a, a morale standpoint. They're leaking oil, um, you know, it, the, the the threat of losing the number one seed. And to get beat the way that they did on the glass was, was hyper disappointing. I thought Jokic could have been infinitely more aggressive, uh, especially when the game uh, was in those high leverage spots down the spread, stretch. It just didn't look like he was domineering enough and we've talked about this with joker like the do you have the 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 dna we're asking a lot because this is the league mvp but the the request is through the lens of his greatness in which we ask this like can you be more uh, heavy-handed with your approach and we talked about the game um against joel Embiid a few um like a month ago or whatever it was the, the national tv game where you know Jokic goes for like 25 or 24, 12, and 8, I think it was. and and But the game is hanging in the balance. And Joel just said, F this. I'm taking over. He scored 16 points in the third quarter. He carried Philly down the stretch. He scored 48 points and had 18 rebounds. And it was just like, dude, I'm going down swinging. I just wish on a, on a uh, day like Saturday uh, and, and Madison Square Garden, we saw more of that attribute from Jokic. I don't know if he's fr- he was frustrated with the group and the, and the, and the way that they've been playing. And we saw this in the Bulls game uh, a couple weeks ago where he's just like, I'm gonna t- uh, if you guys are screwing around, I'm just going to take threes. And he took like nine threes. Totally uncharacteristic. And I wonder if there's some of that frustration for Jokic, and that's how he takes it out of just maybe not being not, – not, not willing to save the day. That, that, that's how I can kind of summarize it. Not willing to bail everyone out. Um, the good news is day over day there was a, a, a correction uh, in that. 
um, in the win against the Brooklyn Nets. I thought it was a good win. Um, not some sort of signature win, but they needed to win that basketball game, and they did, 108-102. to um, Jokic was uh, tremendous in finding that balance of getting everyone else involved, but also taking over in the second half. It was a third quarter of that game. He was really impressive. Um, Jamal Murray uh, kicked the door down to the game. Uh, I think it was 20 in the first quarter. Uh, he was right there. He, now, he only finished with 25 he did very little in the second half. I didn't like a lot of the shots that he took. Um, I think he kind of got carried away uh, based off that uh, first half. Uh, but regardless, Jamal had eight assists. Jokic had a triple-double, 22-17-10. and 10. Really, really uh, just good all-around game. And you know who they look like on Sunday? They look like the Denver Nuggets that we watched through the first 80% of the season. Shout out to Zeke Naji. He was back in the rotation. And while, you know, he didn't... Um, score, you know, double figures or anything. I thought he was really active on the glass. He was uh, a good um, in a couple spots in the pick-and-roll game. When they get it to him immediately, him rolling to the basket. And just watching him, like, the, the versatility and the size and the lateral stuff, like, this is stuff we talked about in the preseason while I was, like, going back and forth with Will Peterson from DenverSports.com. Like, this guy... Uh, has to play. This is your first round pick. What is this year three? And he he keeps on getting he he, he kind of in and out of the lineup with the inconsistent play, if not injury. And those two things, sort of like Vlaco in the same regards, like kind of disjointed, inconsistent play, not ready to play, injury, can never really figure it out. Zeke's kind of been in that camp too, but I want to see more of Zeke Naji with that second group. Uh, he plays so freaking hard, like. He, he's battling on the offensive glass and drawing fouls just by his effort, and that's not even showing up in the, in the raw stats, but if you're watching the game, you're kind of seeing it. So, um, look, that, that second unit is going to continue to be a massive question mark for this team. Uh, Thomas Bryant has been a total non-factor. Reggie Jackson has been a C, um, minus maybe at best. Um, so we're going to continue to keep our eye on that second group. But especially the top tier, I was really encouraged by what I saw from the core combination of Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., who scored 28 points, was flat-out fantastic, big shots down the stretch. Porter could have gone in the tank uh, uh, um, about a week and a half ago when he was benched, and I am so happy for the professionalism that kid has developed. There was some immaturity signs, and you guys know nothing nothing major, referendum or whatever, but there was some stuff with, with Porter that had you question how would he would react to being benched a couple weeks ago uh, at home in that matinee by Michael Malone. Uh, actually, against the same Nets, I believe it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And the way he's responded, his six-week stretch that he has put together has just been fantastic. So I'm really encouraged what I'm seeing uh, from that group based on Sunday's performance against Brooklyn. And hopefully uh, they can parlay that uh, into just you know good basketball. Go, not, not like you need momentum, but... Um, you don't want to be falling on your face going into the playoffs. So they had lost five of six heading into Sunday. They get that win, and uh, I'm encouraged and really looking forward to Wednesday night uh, on the road against Washington before a massive Saturday and Monday matchup against Giannis and the Bucks and Joel Embiid and the Sixers in what I believe will be a two-game stretch that will uh, be a really, really a heavy-handed, from a narrative standpoint and crafting standpoint um, uh, in the MVP conversation among those three favorites. They're all going to play each other in a short order, so we'll see what happens there. All right, guys, we're, we're going to say goodbye for now. Uh, have a great uh, couple days, and whatever happens on Wednesday, we're going to react to it 
um, right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.